this episode, we speak with Ted Duncan, director of Brevard Academy in Brevard, North Carolina. Ted and I had a great discussion about the role of servant leaders in an educational setting and how this type of leader can transform a school. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Building Knowledge Podcast. Today, I have with me Ted Duncan, and Ted comes to us from Brevard Academy, which is in Brevard, North Carolina. They are a long-time, very long-time core knowledge school. Um, Ted is the director there, um, and he has been for several years. Ted and I met years and years ago um, when... I worked for a network of charter schools and Brevard happened to be one of them. Um, We also recorded an episode with their first grade teacher slash curriculum coordinator, um, Cami Sterling. And if you all want to listen to that, I will also leave a link to that episode in the episode notes because she has a lot of really good um, tips for people who have dual roles as both a teacher and a curriculum coordinator. So, Ted, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, I am happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Ted posts a lot on social media about leadership, and I'll make sure I also provide a link to that as well because... Um, it always makes my day when he posts something really cool about what he does with his staff. Um, but before we get into all of that, I'd love you to tell a little bit about yourself and about Brevard Academy. Sure. So uh, my name is Ted Duncan, and I've been the school director here at Brevard Academy for, um, this is my second stint. Uh, I was originally there for five years and then was off for about six months. And now I've been back for uh, approximately two and a half years. It will be two, it will be two and a half years exactly in January. And um, I've been in education for 25 years. I've served uh, primarily, I started my career as a um, middle school language arts and social studies teacher. Um, and But I've also served as, uh, as an assistant principal, as a school board member for a charter school. I've served in both um, traditional and public settings, uh, traditional and public charter school settings. So um, have a have a wide range of experience working with different kids, different different staff members, um, different demographics over um, over the course of my 25 years. My 25 years coincide directly with Brevard Academy's 25 years. We're celebrating our 25th year anniversary this year, and we're very excited to have uh, been a successful charter school for 25 years. It's exciting to see um, the school started uh, as a very small idea and vision at the Brevard Music Center, um, which is. Uh, about five miles um, from our current location. And eight years ago, the school moved into its current location, renovated an old um, car dealership. And, and voila, we've grown. Uh, we've, we have grown to just over 400 students. We run um, buses into two, into two of the adjacent counties that we serve. Um, we have students who come to us from five different counties. So um, the school has just really grown. And core knowledge has always been something that's been at the heart of Brevard Academy. First, it's so crazy that it's been 25 years like that. When you say that number, that blows my mind. Um, And I remember when they used to be at a music camp. And I know I'm going to just I'm going to go off just for a second so that our listeners kind of understand. They would go into a music camp, move in at the beginning of the school year. The teachers had to move everything out Mm because they were like little cabins. It was such a sweet area and then move out, fully move out every single 
year. So I know how excited people were when you yes. found that old car dealership and were able to renovate it and have a permanent space and to grow to almost four, you said a little over 400 students? A little over 400 students this year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, it, they are like the little school that could. So, yes. Yes. Uh, so amazing. Um, so I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you consider yourself a servant leader. I do as well. But what exactly is a servant leader and what does it look like in particular in a school setting? Sure. So, you know, servant leadership is just all about putting others first. Um, John Maxwell says, I'm getting off your agenda and onto other people's agenda, really figuring out what what others need and how to best equip them and empower them. When we talk about leadership, um, especially in the role that I have as a school director, where every, all the work that's done in the school um, that the school is known for is done by other people. You know, I'm not in the classrooms teaching students. I'm not I'm not making those day to day relationships with kids or with parents on that deep level that that um, that teachers are and um, those who are working directly with kids every single day. Now, of course, I'm making relationships with parents, making relationships with community members, making relationships with students at all times in every interaction. But really what you need to think about is you need to learn to find out what others need. So we put others first, we learn what they need, and then we, we equip them with what they need to um, really put forth the mission and the vision and make that come make that come to life. You know, I, I have a vision for Brevard Academy. Um, it's a shared vision that um, I've expressed to to the staff members, we want to be the best school in North Carolina, uh, traditional, public, um, private. We we want to be the best school regardless. We don't want there to be any sort of any sort of qualifiers with that. And so as we work to do that, it's really about, well, what do you need to say that? What do you need those who are serving, uh, serving children, serving uh, the most important people in the school? What do I need to do as a leader to best equip um, the staff members who are were there um, doing that work day to day. So I can I can see where this you know this could get really complicated. Um, and you're doing so much more for a teacher than just like supporting them in curricular instruction, sure. which you would think is like the traditional role of like a principal or a director. So. What are some of the ways that you actually support your teachers beyond just supporting them and providing them with instruction, you know, all the instructional materials that they need, for example? Sure. So we are we really are a true coaching model at Brevard Academy where um, when we're coming into classrooms and we're doing observations, it's not an observation in terms of trying to always evaluate what, you know, how well the teacher is doing. It's really there to coach, to to work to find out, okay, what were you trying to do? What was your objective in this? Did you reach it? Hey, have you thought about doing these things? So when we have observations and walkthroughs, we're asking teachers for feedback constantly about, hey, is this working for you? Are you feeling supported? And so when we talk about it in terms of instruction or behavior management or all the things that go on in the classroom, we really want that to be a partnership. When we think about um, those who are really successful, they have coaches. They don't have evaluators telling them what they're not doing right and telling them what they should be doing. They have coaches who are really trying to build on the strengths that each one of them has and, and move forward in that way. Um, I was just on a panel yesterday where uh, I was talking to some first-year teachers and we were talking about mental health. 
You know, that is a huge, um, that, that's a huge uh, hot topic right now. And coming out of the pandemic, realizing how important mental health is, how it's so important to find purpose in work. So I think as a servant leader, it's really connecting people to not just not just um, the work that they're doing, but also the mission of the organization, really looking to find out, OK, what values do you have as a person? How are those connected? And that all starts very early in the interview process and the expectation process, um, being very transparent about, hey, this is this is what we're trying to do here. How can you fit in? How can we connect your values, your ideas um, to to our mission and our organization? The other part of that is. Uh, we were the first uh, Blue Zone certified school in either North or South Carolina, um, and we were the first dual certified school uh, for Blue Zones as a Blue Zone school and as a workplace. Um, Blue Zones is coming into the mainstream media right now. There's a great documentary on Netflix. Blue Zones, in a, in a nutshell, is just uh, some scientists, I think about 50 years ago, identified um, several areas around the world where people live longer and um, what we're and they identified some trends that were that were going on in those places. And one of them are connection to purpose, um, eating well, movement, um, feeling connected to the group that you're with, having fun, um, having that sense of joy, having that sense of purpose. And so we've incorporated those not only into what we do with students, but also the way that we look at how we develop policies, how we develop practices, what are our employment uh, procedures. We do that with staff members as well. So one of the ways that we do that is um, for each new staff member that comes to us, um, they have what's called a lean and lead and learn day because we we are very much about empowering other staff members, other other teachers at the school. And so staff members have an opportunity uh, to once a month take a day, spend half the day in observation, looking to see, well, what does good teaching look like at Brevard Academy? Let's go in and let's let's see some of these other teachers who are doing a great job. So we're able to put teachers up on a pedestal and say, look at this great job that's going on over here. You should go and see this teacher. And then we very often turn around, we go and we visit the, uh, that new staff member's room as well. Then the, then the other half of the day, they have that day to, um, to take care of any administrative tasks that they might need, uh, whether that be calling parents, planning lessons, grading. Um, today, I was watching a staff member. She had some big projects that came in before Thanksgiving. And she, uh, rather than Rather than having to get those graded over our Thanksgiving break, she was grading those today during her lead and learn day. And so that's really important to, to help define that balance. And then the other, the other part that we, um, that we talk about, uh, in, in terms of making sure that we are supporting teachers, not just, not just instructionally. You know, we have an instructional coach. She does a tremendous job. Um, she supports them through PLCs. Our, our dean of students leads our data meetings to talk about specific students and what sort of M, what sort of supports they might need in the MTSS process. The biggest thing is about that connection one on one. And what are we doing to really connect the person to the organization, make them feel a part of the organization? Because we all know that's deeply what we crave. We crave to be seen, heard, and known. And so, as we as a school director, it's not just looking at hey, are you doing your lessons? Are you doing are you doing those? Are, are you doing all the things that you need to be doing as a teacher? It's also, hey, how are you doing as a human being? What can we do to continue to support you? So those can be done through um, little acts of kindness. We have things such as kindness journals that rotate around the school where uh, it's just got a roster of the staff members on on one side of the book. And then you write a nice note and you pass it on so that you can then you get a chance to see all the nice notes that everybody else has written others. Um, so it's really about supporting the whole person and not just 
not just the things that are happening within the four walls of the classroom. Have you found that this has helped with teacher retention? Because that is such a huge issue. I mean, no matter where you are, no matter what setting, no matter what state you're in, um, teacher retention, I hear again and again and again, is such a problem. Yes. Well, I don't have great data on that as of yet, because coming coming back two and a half years ago, um, we did have a lot of turnover after that first six months. You know, that was coming out of the hardest, probably the hardest year of the pandemic. Uh, that would be year three of the pandemic. And so there were there were a lot of people who left um, after, after that. But we have had several staff members who um, used to be with us and then they returned. Um, we had we had that happen with a couple staff members this year. And I, I do credit that to the culture and the climate that we're trying to build, the way that we're really trying to respect, um, respect the teaching profession, really uh, give back some of that balance uh, in the in the um, conversation that I was in yesterday with. Uh, the teaching, uh, the future teachers, I let them know, I said, listen, the first thing you have to realize is there's no such thing as balance. You know, you have to go into, you have to go into any profession, any job, especially one as demanding as teaching, just knowing that you're, you're going to be out of balance, but it's not about looking to try and find, hey, am I spending eight hours at work? Am I sleeping eight hours? Am I having fun for eight hours? You know, that's kind of an impossibility when we talk about, you know, all the have-tos that you have to do, pay bills, get gas you know, do these, get get groceries, all those types of things, commute. You know, it's really, am I spending time in activities that are feeding me and that are really within my strengths and I'm finding pleasure and joy in doing these things. And that's what I love about teaching is, you know, that aha moment, getting getting a chance to see that happen. So we really strive for that um, within our climate and our culture. Uh, I still think that there are underlying causes um, with, with um, teacher retention that, um, that some of them are out of the control of any organization. Um, some of them um, are just societal issues. But also, I think that there's a there's still a lot of soul searching going on with with folks from all walks of life about, hey, am I really finding purpose in this? And so as educators, as leaders, we have to look at that and we have to say, hey, is my organization really providing that sense of purpose and that sense of identity to uh, to anyone who's walking through my door? You know, you you talked a little bit about new teachers, and I always tell this story that, you know, I, I started my teaching career like 30 years ago. They did not have coaches. I mean, and that's one of my, I think one of the best things that we've ever created is some kind of coaching model to help mm-hmm. support teachers, because I taught at a Catholic school. My coach was Sister Raymond, who taught second grade for like 40 years across the hall. And she had also been a principal at one point in time. If I did not have her, I would not be talking to you today. Because I would have quit. I would have walked out the door and said, forget it. But she was always there like, no, here are the things that you do. And she really, truly coached me without knowing that that's what it was. You know, it it was a thing. So how do you communicate what teaching and what learning looks like to brand new teachers so we start off with a with an induction program that um, is about four days uh, for all new staff members um, not just beginning teachers and so they come in they and that allows us to really give them a deep dive into our math curriculum into our core knowledge curriculum we also talk about behavior management and then we um, we are a, a TLAC school a teach like a champion school we've adopted that uh, we've adopted those strategies as really 
these are great examples of of what good teaching looks like. And so with that, uh, we're, we're able to set that baseline in terms of this is what really good teaching looks like. And then as we talked about with those lead and learn days, beginning teachers have one day each month. And if you're new to the school, if you've taught 20 years, you have one day each month as well, because you might never have been in a charter school taught or and taught core knowledge. Um, you might uh, have been on a team in the past where you had five or six teachers that were teaching the same thing as you, where when you come to us, we only have two classrooms at each grade level. So you might you might be the only person uh, that you know, there's only one other person. And so, hey, we really want to make sure that you're fostering and you're building that support network out rather than just your grade level partner. That's got to be spread out amongst the school because you got to know um, different people that you go to. So we have those lead and learn days. And then, of course, we have um, beginning teacher mentors who who work with um, our teachers who are new to us. Uh, and this is something that we started last year because we had quite a few new staff members last year. We established veteran mentors where if you're coming in as a new staff member, it doesn't matter. You don't know all those hidden rules. You don't know the way, you know, you don't know the way that things are done at, at Brevard Academy. And so we assigned a mentor to them as well to help them and give them that point person. Because just like you said, at the start of your career, you need somebody. You need someone who's going to help you out, who's going to be there, right there with you, who's going to dive in and someone who you know and, and can trust. And so all those are really, really important. Um, the other thing that we do is uh, our coach does um, walkthroughs. I do walkthroughs. I do observations. We also want to make sure that they that they know that these are really that we're here to grow. We're, we're learning. This is a learning environment. That means that the, that the folks who are on staff, too, are going to learn how to become better. And so by being a T, uh, TLAC school, we have access to the full library of all the Teach Like a Champion strategies. Each staff member gets one of those books. That's um, It's part of our regular professional development. It's what we base our um, walkthroughs and our evaluations on. We really So we try to embed the professional development into that coaching model and then also into that observation evaluation model because um, we we don't want all the we don't want all these disconnected things. We want them all to be working together because when it's working together, that's when that's when it doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels overwhelming when it feels like you have to do ten different things and none of them um, are connected. But when you have ten different things at all working towards the same the same goal, um, it doesn't feel as overwhelming because it's connected and it's just different tools in your toolbox. So I want to ask you a question, kind of jumping off of that. Mm -hmm. So. I, I'm I'm thinking as you're talking that there's going to be leaders out there going, there is no way I'm going to have time to do all of these things that Ted is doing because I've got to, especially like at a charter school, I got to pay the bills. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, traditional public, I got to deal with central office. There's parents knocking on my door, this, that, and the other thing, you know, car lines going bad. I, you know, somebody's calling out for, you know, sick and now I got to go in a classroom. What did you do yourself to find, to make the time? Sure. So, you know, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I, I don't do much of this. I have trained and equipped other people to be able to handle these other things so that I can do the things that only I can do. Um, and you have to have that mindset of when you're feeling overwhelmed, these are leadership opportunities. These are things you can bring someone in and you can say, hey, I really need help getting this really important thing done. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. 
so that you have this opportunity to learn how to do this. Now you have this skill. And that and all those things that you just said, you know, build your team, find those people who are willing to help out. Um, now, the other thing that I'm also going to say is that as the school grew, we certainly added staff members. We added support members. Um, when I first started in this position, our administration consisted of myself and and um, the two office staff members. You know, one was one was doing all the billing and lunch and benefits and everything like that, trying to figure out who the lost who who had the lost quarter and did this go to a hot dog as well as balancing our books. And so as a leader, you have to look and you have to say, okay, where can I get some big wins immediately? The other thing is um, you have to learn how to automate processes and you have to teach and empower others. That's been a really big thing that we've, that we've spent a lot of time on is teaching our parents how to best interact as a parent. We don't need you calling the front office to tell us that your child's going to get home a different way. We live in a technological world. Hey, we can create a Google form. You can put this in here. Boom, it's going to come to us. You just have to have it done by this certain amount of time. Our car line moves extremely efficiently because of that. And our front office isn't isn't uh, tied up with those things. We also do um, all of our staff members, all of our teaching uh, instructional staff members have a bounce back on their email that says, hey, listen, if you email me during the during the school day, I'm most likely working with kids or collaborating with colleagues. So I'm going to tell you when you know, I'll get back to you, but it might not be for 48 hours. It will be by the end of the next school day. So um, just being real intentional and finding what those processes are. And for all the beginning teachers who are out there, all the veteran teachers, really, because I do this still after 25 years, I was actually just talking to a, a beginning teacher about this, is I just have a list with a bunch of notes to say, OK, that didn't work. I need to change this process for next year or next month or tomorrow. You know, and so I just write that down on a note card. I put it in my filing system. And over the summer, when I have some time, I update the process because I want it to go smoother and I don't want it. I don't want to react. As leaders, we so often find ourselves uh, reacting to problems rather than proactively planning and solving them when they're small. So my biggest um, advice to anyone out there who's a leader is first identify, well, what are the things that are taking up your time? Okay, now that you know what those are, Look around. Who else is on your team that can help you to solve those problems? And who is who is someone who's really good at solving each one of those? Because I guarantee that they're different. And they take on a different um, a different skill set. I also guarantee that you as the leader probably aren't the best one to solve all those problems. And, and there are other ways that you can there are other ways that you can figure out how to um, how to solve those problems by building that team. And that's what that servant leadership is all about: is empowering others to become leaders to help them, to give them the efficacy the and, and the ability to solve solve problems at the lowest level. We talk about that a lot at Brevard Academy, where our problem-solving mo- model is, hey, if there's an issue that's going on, let's try and solve it at the, at the base issue, um, at, at, at the smallest area, because the more that we bring other people in, the more convoluted and disconnected they are from, from the problem, and we're trying to solve it with strategies that, hey, if we just tried this other simple thing first, um, it might have might have taken care of it. Yeah, so sometimes we're we're our own worst enemy in education, oh, yes. and oh, we yes. o- and we overthink things and it make it just so it's like it's it's not that deep. Like right. we, we could have solved this like an hour ago. Sure. Um, so how do you think that you as a servant leader has affected? your staff, and then as well as your students, and then your families? 
Sure. So um, I like to think that um, we really take on that part of our mission is to lead by serving others. And so I think that when we when we do that, there's just an inherent respect that we have for one another. Um, and I think that the that the other that the other part of that is it feels like we're doing important work because we're helping other people and we're really trying to help them solve problems that are very real for them. And so I think that um, I think that the biggest impact is that we're really building a place where we can be. Hey, we are proud to be Bulldogs. We are proud to be Provard Academy students. We are proud to be at this school. And uh, that just goes to that sense of community. That goes to that sense of that sense of well-being, that sense of purpose. Uh, you belong to something really special because we're working really hard. We have we have high expectations. We're going to celebrate you when you get there. We're going to coach you to get there. And so I think that um, I think that there's just been a lot of a lot of joy brought to both students, um, staff members, uh, families. I truly believe that most people really enjoy coming into work and coming into school at Brevard Academy. And it's that might sound like a little thing or a soft thing, but having a place where people enjoy working and a school where kids enjoy coming to school, those are two huge things. That means that you have a safe place where people can learn and grow. And that's the whole point of what a school is. You can't you can't grow when when you're in a hostile environment. And so we want people to be able to take risks and and try out new things and and see how they work and and learn. That's the whole learning process. So I really feel like that's that's probably been the biggest impact. Um, just feeling really proud about about the school, that sense of pride. So that leads me into my final question because this is all, you know, I really think it's about the leadership and then about creating this overall positive, supportive school culture. So what advice would you give to school leaders who right now, like they know they need to make a change in their school sure. culture? Sure. So, you know, one thing that I would say is um, spend time with your staff members. Um, and each time that I've been at a new at a new school, I've tried to meet with each and every single staff member to um, just find out, all right, what are your goals? You know, where do you want to be in five years? Um, how can how can I help you get there? Um, and uh, I think it's Lululemon. They talk about how they um, I was I was listening to a podcast about this where Lululemon, they will celebrate um, staff members who have left them and gone on to other careers. They'll have like a Hall of Fame um, because they were the launching pad for that. And that was what that person wanted to do. And so I thought, gosh, that's so neat. How, how can we continue to I haven't figured out how to build on that yet as a school, um, because sometimes it's can be really tough when you lose that really strong teacher. But we also know that, hey, we're there to we're there to build. We're there to help. We're there to empower. So the first thing is ask staff members, spend time with them, find out about their families, find out about their their loves, find out about their desires. Because as you're looking for someone who really enjoys going over spreadsheets or doing compliance work. Hey, if you know them better, you're going to be able to give them that empowering um, leadership opportunity. So spend time with them and then ask for feedback. Hey, how's it working? And one of the things that um, I really think was powerful in my leadership was changing, changing the idea of what's working. Don't ask what's working well and what's not working. Get rid of the what's not working. You want to know what's going well. Keep doing what's going well. Then what you want to know is you want to know. What is your future vision of this? And that can be as simple as when you and I are sitting down for an observation uh, or an evaluation post-conference, 
and you ask at the end, hey, how did this go for you? What would you have liked to have gotten out of this? What would be your future vision the next time that we're doing this? There, that's a very powerful question that's going to give you very specific, intentional, critical feedback. I do it with staff meetings. I do it with small group meetings. Hey, is this working for you? What's your future vision of this? Are we missing anything? Because when you say, well, what's not working, then we just tend to focus on what's not working. Okay, well, we we won't do that again, but I don't know what to do if you don't tell me what your future vision of this is. So um, always be asking for feedback and then be approachable. Um, that means spending time in the hallways. That means, you know, having a casual relationship um, where it's not always I'm the boss, you're you're the employee. Um, everyone else in the building is never going to forget that. So you have to have those ways to have those interactions where you can laugh, you can cry together, you can have you can have meaningful conversations that don't necessarily always relate to work, but also what do you enjoy? What really moves you? So, so be approachable and then set one-on-one -on -one times early, um, especially with those who are closest to you. I meet with everybody on the administrative team for 15 minutes um, each week uh, and some of the most powerful time where we, we just talk about, well, what are you working on? How's that going? How can I help you? Okay. What are we, and the next time we meet together, what are you going to tell me? Uh, you know, what, what are you looking to accomplish? What's on your to-do list? What's on my to-do list? It takes 15 minutes, but it's it's that 15 minutes, that dedicated time. And then again, enlist others to carry out the vision. One of the real powerful tools that I have is I keep a keep a um, list of my staff members on my desk. And then each month I try to go through and I try to write them each a handwritten note about something positive that I noticed them doing um, that month. Uh, and I still see notes that I've written from two years ago pinned up on on boards. These are meaningful things. People want to be seen. They want to know that they're doing a good job. They want to know that the person who is their boss, who's employing them, um, who's doing their observations, cares enough to to come by and drop an informal note to say, hey, listen, I saw this. That that was going really well. And so I think that um, I think that really just getting out there, spending time. Um, being seen, being heard, uh, but also being approachable. I mean, that's it's just huge. And then giving gratitude because everybody else in the building, you need them a lot more than they need you. Um, so often we'll see posts on social media about the principal covering uh, because the cafeteria staff is called out or or the or the custodians called out. You don't want a school like that. You want a place where people really want to be and they don't want to miss. And uh, when when someone misses or someone's gone, that really puts pressure on you. So you want to build that community where they know, hey, you are really important to me and I'm really glad that you're here. And you got to foster that each and every day. I knew when I asked you to be on the podcast, it was going to be inspirational. You have totally <laughs> inspired me. And I've thought of all these other things like that I could even share with my husband who is in the medical field. Um, but it's just it's just good leadership and it's just becoming a support for teachers. What really a servant leader is about mission. I mean, you you've touched on so many things in the last half hour and I want to tell you, I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to get so much out of this. So thank you so much, Ted. Absolutely. And feel free to drop my email into the, um, into the show notes so that if anybody wants to come out, come by, see how we're, trying to do this. We're all learning. We're not perfect, but I'd love to have people come by and, and see what's see what's going on at Brevard Academy. And it's also a beautiful part of the country, yes, I will have to say. It yes, is it absolutely is. gorgeous. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great rest of your afternoon. 